so hard, still no one scored. Was it worth it? Kill the cause. We cry, we try. Life goes on. Inside and my world is on fire. Inside and my world is on fire. Inside, everything's burning up. It is seven o'clock. Healing up the heart, episode number 14. I love this song. This is Naomi Rain from Maverick City. Naomi Rain, pardon, from Maverick City. You know, I love to play a lot of songs from Maverick City with Chan Lamore. By now, you've probably. You know, got used to me talking about this uh, young African artist. He's a contemporary Christian artist. I'm not sure contemporary, you know, really fits uh, his uh, title, but I would say that's the genre that he's in. So my voice is still coming together after having, you know, uh, a partial uh, direction. I'm a little bit hoarse sometimes, but pardon. Bear with me. I love this song. It's so smooth and it's just so welcoming. I think it sets the tone for podcast this evening. Of course, you know, I have other good music, engaging music lined up for our podcast this evening. And so, uh, welcome to Healing Up the Heart podcast. I got to tell you. I almost didn't come on to the podcast this evening. I almost canceled it. And I was making up all kinds of excuses in my mind, talking myself out of it because I don't know, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you can relate to this, but even when you have purpose, sometimes, you know, that purpose sometimes gets kind of, um, I don't know, like, is it really working? (laughs) Is it really worth it? And you know, I ask these questions in my mind and I'm like, okay. And then I answer out loud. I'm like, you know what? I really have to pay attention to my whys. And I, I hope you do the same. And um, so, yeah, I almost didn't come on to the podcast. And sometimes, I don't know for you, maybe you're carrying your, you know, you're living out your purpose every day. And, you know, you're like, uh, why am I doing this again? <laughs> um and, um, and, you know, before I got onto the podcast, I prayed. I always try to pray. I'm not perfect at it. I'm not perfect at anything. Um, and, um, but I typically pray before I do anything, whether I'm doing my podcast, whether I'm, you know, getting ready to go into a session, or if I'm getting ready to speak to someone, I, I really try to go inside and inner and uh, try to hear, you know, how I need to, you know, go about things. So uh, the podcast is no different. And so, you know, before I got on, I was like, you know, Lord, um, I hope that, you know, somebody will be helped. One person, you know, um, yeah, that's my heart's desire. And that's my why. And it's really important that um, we remember our whys, especially when we're not, you know, feeling like our greatest. I had a really, really busy week, a really busy week, really, really busy week. It was a trying week this week. And, you know, that's the thing. When we have work and purpose you know, it keeps us really occupied, properly occupied, and it brings us, you know, joy and fulfillment because all of us, none of us are exempt from hardships and from stressors and, you know, from disappointments. 
you often hear me say that from time to time. And this podcast, I really get to be authentic. I don't change, you know, like even my sessions, of course, there is a line of professionalism and I'll continue to keep that here, but it doesn't stop me from, you know, being human. The human phenomenon is for real. And I really want to connect with every woman and girl that's listening to this podcast whenever you listen to this podcast. This is a good time to say thank you for supporting Healing of the Heart podcast. And so now I'm going to go into, you know, the podcast, you know, what we always do, you know, our intro piece. And I can't get tired of doing it because, you know, I can't take for granted that maybe you're listening to the podcast for the first time. And um, so, yeah, this po- this podcast came out of my first book, Healing of the Heart. I'll keep that introduction short because by now everybody gets to know that by now. You can skip this part if you already know it. <laughs> If you are one of our part of our community already, just skip this part because you already know what it is, but I still got to do it, right? It's it's just right. It's ethical. Uh, so yeah, this podcast came out of Healing of the Heart. And you know, I have to tell you, I did not come up with the idea to do the podcast. Some One of the women from the um, NBHI community, we, I worked with her for a while. And she said, you know what? Your book is really, for, she said, you know, you need to publish your book and then you also need to do a podcast. I wish I could say her name, but I can't because of confidentiality. But she's like, you know, you really should do that. I think it would be really, it would really help a lot of, you know, other women, you know. And uh, she was very, you know, kind and encouraging to say that the work we've done together, really, it uh, it has been really helpful in my life. And I really believe that you should carry that forward. It's amazing how other people can also help you to develop and find your purpose. And I have to say that this woman did, and I really appreciate her. And she knows who she is. <clears throat> So that's where this podcast came from. So basically, this podcast has a lot to do with, you know, looking at the formation of the self, you know, because, hey, that's really serious stuff and how it shapes your life and basically how that shaping, you know, shows up in your life every day and what you can do about it. So Healing Up the Heart podcast is about, you know, changing stuff, you know, changing how we function, changing how we approach our relationships, you know, change how we think, change how we connect to ourselves, because if we can ever become that better version of ourselves, Regardless of the stressors and, you know, problems and disappointments, we're still moving forward and we're still moving forward to living that better life, that better self, that better us. And so that's that's this podcast. And I love saying that because, you know what, I get to do the same thing every day. I get to do that for myself, you know, and that's really cool. And in and, and the lives of my children. And I love that. So that's that. Uh, so if you're listening for the first time, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. And thank you for joining me. And for those persons who don't listen live, but you download the podcast, thank you so much for um, encouraging me, right? That's the first thing, because that's how it works too, is reciprocity. And I hope that continues. I really believe in that. I really do. And uh, speaking of listeners, I looked a couple days ago, and I saw that we have listeners in Canada and Bolivia and in the Philippines and... I forgot. It's another country. I, I can't remember. hope I'm not forgetting anyone. But um, as I see different countries popping up on the podcast, I promise that I'm going to mention that because I want you to know that I appreciate you listening and I appreciate you supporting um, Healing of the Heart podcast and in turn that this podcast is supporting you. So thank you for that, doing that. And I hope that you'll continue to share the podcast. So, so that takes me then to my why. Right. So I forgot to share that. So <laughs> before I came on, I was sharing that I was just, you know, preparing my mind and meditating and praying. I'm like, and then I'm reminded that this podcast actually help others. It it helps. 
um, one of my my cousins, my cousin's daughter, Madison, she was visiting this afternoon. Madison, if you're listening, thank you. Uh, Madison is 13, I think. If I got it wrong, forgive me, cousin. I'm sorry. And she said, you know what? Because I was getting ready to, you know, put my podcast uh, equipment together. And she said, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot you have a podcast. And she said, you know, I was on last week. And she said, you know, it was really helpful, actually. <laughs> you know, kids are honest, right? Now, I didn't say anything about what I was about to do. She just watched me pick up my gear. And she's like, what are you going to do? And um, I'm like, I'm going to go set up for my podcast. And she was like, well, you know, I listened last week and last week's topic was um, emergent adults, um, you know, Caribbean background and impacts on mental health. And of course, we're from the Caribbean, but they were born here. But my cousin were, you know, have Caribbean parents. And so, you know what? She says, I saw that you had some people on, but it wasn't a lot. And that topic right there, you need to advertise it because I think a whole lot more people would be really helped by what you were talking about. I said, oh, that really touched me, right? 13 years old. And so that's another thing I got to tell you. I love working with teens because they really have a lot to say. And I I mean, just think back. What were you like when you were 13? Do you remember where you were? I can tell you. It was a tough time for me. And I wish people were asking me questions about, so about, you know, you know, how are you? What do you want to do? And, and so our conversation, you know, expanded to other things. And I got a chance to ask her, more things, you know, and I was like, you know, man, I, I wish people and adults were asking me stuff like that. It would make me, make me feel important at the time. And so, you know, Madison, thank you for the conversation. And, uh, you know, um, I hope that other teens uh, will listen to this podcast too and, you know, share that with them because they have a lot to say. They have a lot of valuable things to share and that we can take in. So, yeah, it's, you know, talking about our whys and the purpose. And so, yeah, hopefully I gave a, you know, a good or a quick in, interview rather as to, what this podcast is about. I, I take the time to do that because I really want you to connect. You know, even my work that I do every day, at the end of my sessions, I say, you know what? Hey, do we connect today? And I'm like, hey, you know, you have the freedom just to be honest. And sometimes I'll get, most times I get yes. And sometimes every now and then someone has, you know, is very brave and say, you know, you, you know, I think we missed something. I'm like, oh, well, let's pause. Let's talk about that. What did I miss? Did I not hear you? And um, I get to hear what I missed, right? And so, I take my time to connect. So if there's something that I said that perhaps you didn't connect with or maybe it was disturbing or upsetting or maybe brought some curiosity, hey, send me a message, you know, um, k.henry at nbhi-llc.net, k.henry at nbhi-llc.net. And if you're wondering what NBHI stands for, that's my practice. It's called New Beginning Healing Institute, hence Healing of the Heart, hence this podcast. Let's take a few minutes break, maybe one or two minutes, play my other song by Chen Lamore that says, I'm a lean on. I can't even sing that much anymore. I mean, I have to really wait for my voice to come back. But, um, you know, I love Chen Lamore. And I'm going to play one of his songs. And then when we come back, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about disclosures, you know, how to, you know, prepare yourself for the podcast, you know, things that we'll talk about. And, you know, how to keep yourself safe while we're talking about maybe difficult things like this topic tonight. Uh, we're gonna do that and then we'll just jump right in. And I think that'll do it. That'll keep us going here. Um, Jan Lamore, I'm gonna lean on you. Some type of 
wait, wait. I'm trying to escape the shallow. I wanna be the cake, but nothing that I take seems like it's working. My back's against the ropes, even though I try to keep an open mind. I can't do this on my own. When I'm weak, you're strong. I believe in you. When nothing else stands, God. Yes, I believe in you. Inside of my head, yes, I believe in you. some crazy things, and I can't get a break, okay, been trying to talk to you, but nothing that I say, seems like it's working, my back's against the road, even though I'm trying to keep an open mind, I can't do this on my own, when I'm weak or strong, I believe in I'm leaning, I'm leaning, I'm leaning. I 
I am leaning. I'm back. I love this song. Now I know you're probably wondering, why does this person play all these maybe religious or spiritual songs? So you know what? This is I, I like to always um, when something pops in my heart, I I'm like I'm gonna go with that. So you know, you know, research right? Research consistently finds that spirituality is among the most effective coping mechanisms. Um, that people have for coping with adversity, right? Yeah. Research consistently shows that religiosity or spirituality is among the most effective coping mechanism for when we're facing stressors or, you know, difficult times in our lives. And so, you know, it's a way of, so what does it do? It's a way of, uh, what's the word? Maybe reevaluate i didn't say re i didn't say revalue i said reevaluate like do it again to reappraise then um in our in our in social work we like to use the word reframe it's a way of reframing our experience in a greater context so it gives us space it gives us room then right um it's it gives us the ability to provide some kind of sense some kind of mastery and control in the face of difficult things so you don't feel like you're totally like you're completely powerless think about that right so if you're wondering when you listen to this podcast and um, you hear a lot of um, religious if you characterize it as such or maybe spiritual songs because that's one of my most effective COVID mechanisms it brings me a lot of joy it brings me a lot of happiness and um, it works right so there's science to it too so for people that say well I have no use for the supernatural well, for you folks that really rely on science 100%, then this is um, good information for you then that, you know, and, and, and I get it, you know, a lot of times people have contamination in their spiritual lives and, you know, with religion, hint, hint, been there, done that, healing off the heart in that book. I talk a lot about that, especially in the, in the well, actually in the prose and the poetry, poetry sections of the book, um, dealing with those things and how that really contaminated the self and, and how that affected my belief, by the way. Second book is on its way. Ha ha. It's underway. I, I, I started writing a second book. I won't even tell you the title of it yet. I'm going to keep that quiet. But that little thing that I just said just kind of like jolted my memory to say that. Just in case you're wondering, right? All right. So before we went on the break, I said that we're going to go into reminding us. So the podcast, right? The topic tonight is women with tears. I don't know if any of us women or girls are exempt from this topic. We're not. And that's a really a broad topic, right? And I'm going to cover, so, you know, it's so large that we cannot possibly conceivably cover a lot of reasons why, you know, women have tears. I mean, we have tears for a lot of things. I mean, oh my goodness, listen to prior podcasts. We talked about grief, you know, um, as my fact, you know, we talk about, you know, postpartum. I mean, we talk about, oh my goodness, all kinds of, you know, um, events in our lives, you know, over time that cause us to cry. I mean, again, you know, tears are not, doesn't mean that it's always sad, but you know, we can have happy tears too. I mean, I, I, I have happy tears. I work with persons that have happy and sad tears. So again, you get the point that women with tears is a pretty broad topic, but you know, tonight we're going to be talking about looking at women, um, being oppressed from the beginning of time. Right. But particularly women of color, this episode will look at the historical oppression of women of color um, by their counterparts. Well, who are those counterparts? Oh, well, other women of color, uh, white women, 
Um, and, you know, this oppression takes place, you know, in social, economic, and political context, right? And if we're going to look at the history of this, there are a few things that might get a little heavy tonight. So, um, yeah, so this podcast, right, remember what it's not. It's not about blaming. So <laughs> it's not because blaming is not healing. I love that. That's one of my favorite poems in the book. Blaming is not healing. You keep doing that, you're not going to heal. You're not going to grow. Okay. You're just going to be one angry, bitter person. And so, what this podcast does, though, is take a look at things and, uh, again, provide room, space to be curious and ask questions. So, rather than just internalizing things over time without questioning them, then you're not doing anything but just turning it over and pointing fingers at other persons and perhaps yourself which is being judgmental of, of yourself and others. And so this podcast is not about blaming people. It's not about being angry at folks. Yes, your anger and emotions are legitimate, but you got to do something productive and healthy with that. And so this podcast seeks to, you know, again, look on the inside. We want to connect with ourselves. And sometimes when we're talking about things, that can be very difficult to do. And so no different than if I'm in my sessions, you know, we we find ways to ground ourselves. And um, if anything we're talking about perhaps may become upsetting for you or triggering, I politely ask that you'll turn off the podcast. If you're, as you're listening and it's, your download is upset, stop, pause, you know, uh, go play some music. Music is very healing. It's a way of distracting yourself and it's very calming. Do something the opposite of what we're talking about. You know, maybe listen to some comedy instead. Um, you know, maybe take a warm shower, a warm bath drink a cup of tea. Tea is very calming. Step outside, do some breath work, some deep breathing, okay, um, to ground yourself if this gets upsetting. And, and again, you know, ultimately, if it's too much, you know, you can just shut this podcast off, like just turn it off. Do not pass go, do not collect any more information from this podcast. So I mixed it up a little bit. I kind of shared what this podcast is not, but also what it is. You know, so I gave you the topic tonight and, you know, we just don't sit and just talk about things. Again, we, we really want to be productive with the information. And again, my goal is to connect with somebody or with persons out there, you know, cause tonight I'm going to share some of my personal stories and how I was oppressed as a woman by other women of color. In fact, I have, <laughs> my experience is a little bit unique because in my career, I have been helped by white women and not women of color. I, that's true. My mentors, and I can call their names, they know who they are because I talk to them all the time. My, one of my mentors, she's a white woman, her name is Sharon Cohen, okay? And she was my first, um, she was my first placement um, supervisor and I did my internship, my clinical rotation. Um, yeah, she's white and, and she's still my mentor today. And the other woman was Donna Donato. She is, I believe Donna is Cuban and Puerto Rican, right? So she's a minority, but you know, I mean, we can always argue about, you know, different parts of her ethnicity and um, and her background and why she may be this or that. But essentially, I did not have women of color to help to support or promote me as I came up in the ranks of social work and as a clinician. I did not have that. That is the truth. And, you know, I, I, somewhere along the line when I was going through um, being oppressed, um, I said, you know, I, I, I want to find a channel. I want to find an outlet to be able to talk about this because I am certain that I am not the only person, only woman of color that have been oppressed by other women of color. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty profound actually. And so my experience and from the Caribbean too, but my experience, and I've been oppressed by other women that are from the Caribbean too. Right. 
So we're going to look at the history of this, right? Um, and um, where this came from, how this shows up today, political, social, economic context. When I say economic, I mean like, you know, your job, um, you know, on a smaller scale, but, you know, and of course expanding out to maybe, you know, as a business owner businesses, you know, how are we impacted, right? And so oppression is real. And, the, you know, so we're going to take a look at those those parts of it tonight. So I'm trying to narrow um, our focus then um, in terms of what the topic is about women with tears. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And so I'm going to start off with, um, we're going to transition then um, into reading a quote. But before I read the quote, I want to know, as I explained, hopefully I explained in a clear fashion though, you know, what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I've already, you know, introduced or gave you a hint to why this topic is so dear to my heart and why I feel we need to talk about it. So before I read the quote to you, I just want to pause here and say, it's raining outside. Oh my goodness, it's raining. I just want to pause and say, uh, I don't know who you are listening right now or who will listen to the podcast, whether you are a woman of color or, you know, um, a, 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 a white woman, or you're on the other side of things. Um, you know, what's your take on this? How do you relate to this topic? Do you connect with this? And, and, you know, it's interesting. I'll ask this other question, too, is that, for example, as a woman of color, you know, I've been oppressed by, you know, women of color and by white females. I've had, in fact, recently I had a situation. We'll talk about that, too. But how do you connect to this topic? How do you do that? So I want you to think about that. And while I get my coat over here. So I believe it was Dale Carnegie who coined um, this quote says, fear is effectively cured by forced repetition of acts of courage. Read that again. I, and you know, I found this quote when I was reading, um, I forgot which of his books, cause he has several books. It says fear is effectively cured by forced repetition of acts of courage. I like that. What do you think about that quote tonight? I like it because you know what? This topic that we're getting ready to talk about, I was nervous to come on to this podcast. And I'm like, you know, am I really going to take this, this topic on? But I know it's so relevant. And I, I know it happens, you know, because it happened to me and um, it has happened to some women that I've worked with right here in Palm Beach County. And, and this stuff still goes on. You know, as women, we have become such oppressors and such bullies when we've risen to, you know, um, you know, high ranking executive positions. And sometimes we forget where we are coming from and that we too were oppressed or our ancestors were oppressed at one time or another. And then we turn around and do it to each other. And then, you know, um, causing people to have a lot of fear um, and to lose courage and to, and, and, you know, to lose the sense of self in terms of um, being this, this agency you know, to be able to move about our lives. And so I think this, this quote is really appropriate. You know, if you listen to this podcast, I, you know, really, I, let me know um, how you relate to this topic. But again, I think this quote is appropriate to, to, you know, continue um, our podcast, but to can, you know, consider that this stuff really causes a lot of fear, a lot of fear. You're not even sure what to do with your life or if you should even continue with your career because such oppression by women is pretty sad. All right. So uh, what should we do? Let's continue then. So Women with Tears. Now, let me just start this part of the, the podcast talking about tears, right? 
So tears is, it's a human expression of emotion. It is, right? Tears can be shed due to, like I said before, it's such a large topic. I mean, you know, you can be crying for a variety of reasons, you know, sadness, joy, frustration, or pain. I mean, it's just, which is, you know, like when I'm working, I say to folks sometimes, if you're listening, you know, I do this. I'm like, so tell me, what do those tears possibly mean? Because you know what? We need to be asking questions. We need to be asking. You know, I think that this is what I think. I think in work, in the workplace, you know, just like at school, they have, you know, bullying campaign. You know, if you're being bullied, you should report that. I think in workplaces that we should, hey, if a woman's being bullied, you should report that to your HR. Let us know if you're being bullied by another woman. I like it. What do you think? Honestly, I really do. So, yeah, tears, um, tears can be for a variety of reasons. So we shouldn't be going around interpreting for people, but we should ask. And women should really feel comfortable, you know, really feel comfortable being able to to share, you know, why they're crying. But we all know that that's in, in, in our world today and in our world for a very long time, you know, we are stigmatized because, you know, we are seen as either weak. And of course, we're seen by men that way too, primarily. You know, we're not going to get the gender stereotypes tonight, but <laughs> gender expression stereotypes, although some of it really will be a part of what we're talking about. That's not our focus though. But, you know, some people, you know, particularly men, and some women too, depending on the culture or background, to say, oh, you know, we are cry for, and that's in Patwa. Uh, to you. You know, crying is weak. <laughs> well, well <laughs> I just had a flashback. When I was growing up, we used to get spankings. Oh, I cry, you I cry? In other words, you shouldn't be crying. Stop crying, okay? So the more you cry is the more spanking you used to get. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so crying can be um, looked upon as weak. Um, you're, you're being irrational or you're, you're being overly dramatic, you know, um, in other words, you shouldn't be crying, but really, uh, crying is a human phenomenon, right? They're natural. It's a natural process. Um, and you know, not to say all cultures, um, you know, perceive it as negative, you know, um, for some it's, it's, it's natural. It's a healthy way to express emotions. Um, I believe in this country, in the United States. I believe we're on our way to accepting that. We're changing those narratives day by day. And I'm also hoping that this podcast will be adding to being, a, you know, a, a place where we're also helping to, you know, foster change. But yeah, as women, you know, we're often stereotyped again. So stereotyping, right? As being more emotional and, uh, and sensitive than men. So here's the next thing about that. I'm going to touch on that. I'm going to drop it. I'm not going to push it, right? But then, so this creates another segment of the population where they're not allowed to express themselves. So if a man cries, so we as women, we're weak, we're emotional, we're irrational, et cetera, et cetera. And if a man tries to show, you know, tears or to show his sensitivity, oh, well, you know, he's, men are looked down upon too. It's frowned upon. Um, oh, you're acting like a girl. Uh, you know, you're a sissy. So that also leads to other mental health um, impacts and affective disorders in men. It's pretty for real, right? So where in society then um, do tears belong? <laughs> where? Almost, if, if you listen to, to that kind of um, narrative or that kind of instruction by society institutions, it's almost like tears fit, just doesn't fit anywhere. So where do we put that, right? 
Um, so here's the next thing too. So yeah, so it's it's we're stigmatized by you know showing emotions or expressing them. You know, we're this, we're that as women, and, and of course men too. They're they're not show, <laughs> share their emotions because they're sissies and they're girls. So if you're a girl, you know you know if you're a girl, only girls cry. You're a sissy. So you see it. You see how the double edge on that. If you're a girl, you're supposed to cry. But if you're a girl and you cry, then you're weak, you're irrational, and you're dramatic. Oh, my gosh. So basically, you have a lot of us in society that we're just stopped up. We're blocked up. We have a lot of, you know, difficult and negative emotions that we're carrying around. And so Women with Tears, I think, is so appropriate. And again, we're speaking specifically tonight about how women oppress other women and, um, and the impacts of that. So that's just an introduction to, you know, just to identify, you know, about tears and, you know, how women are perceived, men too, but we're not talking about men tonight, but how, how we're perceived and where does this really come from? Okay, I think I hinted already because from the, from the patriarchal um, standpoint, you know, where, where all these things I mentioned before, so they already set the tone from, you know, from the beginning of time as to, you know, what healthy emotions look like and what does not. And quite frankly, there's nothing healthy about what they're proposing, if you noticed, right? And that has really far-reaching effects today. So think about that. So I gave you the quote to ponder, and I gave the question for you to think about, you know, how do you relate to this topic? How do you connect? You know what? Maybe you can't connect to this topic. Maybe, maybe as a woman, you've had it good. You've had it easy, you know, you, in your career, um, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you never had to be in a workplace and to really, you know, face um, these obstacles or, you know, these types of issues. Uh, maybe um, maybe you are, um, I don't know, you just, you just had it good. You had it lucky. You didn't have any, you weren't oppressed by another woman. Maybe you're a white female and you don't know what it's like to be oppressed um, by, by other women, you know, because typically research shows that, you know, white women are very favored and have been favored, the favored one from the beginning of time. We're going to talk about some history on that too. And that, so I'll stop there, right? So how do you connect? So do you connect at all? Maybe you don't. Maybe you know someone actually who does. I don't know. We're going to pause a little bit again. Then when we come back, we're going to look, look, look a little bit at um, the, the history then behind um, women oppressing women, women of color oppressing women. Uh, their own kind or, you know, white women oppressing um, women of color. So we'll look a little bit of both of that when we get back. Um, so let's play a little bit more music. This is Naomi Rain again. Um, I like her voice. Um, let's see. Yeah, I do like her voice a lot. She's really, really good. Here we go. How do you feel about this topic tonight? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've got pending emotions. I live a life of avoidance. I got no room for drama, got an aversion to conflict. 
I've got pending emotions. I live a life of avoidance. I got no room for drama. Got an aversion to conflict. I've got pending emotions. I live a life of avoidance. I got no room for drama. Got an aversion to conflict. I've got pending emotions. I've got, I've got the Got an aversion to conflict. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got. I've got pending emotions. I'm sorry, guys. I touched the button. Sorry about that. You're probably wondering what happened to the music. Got an aversion to conflict. I've got pending emotions. I live a life of avoidance. I got no room for drama. Got an aversion to conflict. I've got pending emotions. I live a life of avoidance. I got no room for drama. Got an aversion to conflict. I've got pending emotions. I've got, I've got the shoot Got an aversion to conflict. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got. I, I wake up and get to work. I don't have time to make my bed. And I can't. All right, guys, I'm back. So I like Naomi Rain. She's also part of uh, Maverick City. So you can check her out too. She's all part of um, Chandler Moore. Um, I love her voice. Very calming, very soothing, very encouraging. So I don't know. Uh, how are you connecting with this topic? Do you have some stories of your own? Um, I'm sure you do. <laughs> and if you don't, then I'm pretty sure you've heard maybe other women talk about these things. They come home maybe hotter than fish grease one day from work because, you know, this and that and the third happened with this supervisor, this female supervisor that just keeps saying this or keeps doing this or, you know, yeah, it happens. It really happens. So let's look at some history on this. So, you know, I had mentioned, I kind of gave a hint to this earlier. You know, we talked about, you know, how patriarchy, right? Men, men. And, you know, so we can't pin everything on, 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 you know, whiteness or you know white men or white females although yeah they're part of their lot they have a lot to do with it um but what happened before them right and so you know i was thinking about and and a lot of historical data you know talks about how you know women have been oppressed from the beginning of time which is why i wrote the way i did um but primarily though um women of color black women um you know, let's so so slave slave trade and um, being enslaved as a woman um, from the beginning of time. When I say beginning of time, I'm talking out of um, we all. I think we can all agree by now. There's a lot of literature that supports the fact that you know civilization started out of Africa. Okay, now by the way, you see what's going on in Sudan. Okay, there's a lot of uprising in Sudan, and do we know what do we know about Sudan? Sudan w was called um, uh, Nubia because I did some research on this because I'm looking at. What's repeating in history right now? What's going on? Why is this? Why is this uprising in Sudan? You know, so important. Why should we pay attention to that? So I started doing some research, not even knowing that it would actually connect with the topic tonight. I had no idea, and 
that was like a little confirmation for me that this topic is so really important. And so Sudan was called um, the Nubia, N-U-B-I-A. And I said, oh, okay. And so, um, so Nubia was the center of slave trade. Um, it is, it was a center of slave trade. And so they, they sold a lot of the, the black princes, um, in Sudan, um, sold, um, a lot of, you know, their own black people, especially black women, um, in, in, in into slavery. So yes. And, and, you know, I, I did some research on that and I was like, you know, I often, you know, growing up in school, you know, you read, you hear about that. You don't read so much of that, but you do hear about that. And as you get older and go through college, depending on the kind of literature, if you're, if you're reading, you know, from negritude writers or you're reading from, you know, colonial or European writers, the information is, a, is presented differently. But if you, if you pay attention, you will see that um, Sudan, Nubia, it was called Nubia, was the center for slave trade. And a lot of the black princes and are the black pharaohs and, you know, you know some of the Bible the stories in there, you know, we think it's made up. It's not, it's pretty, it's pretty on point. Um, you know, so it was a center for slave trade. And, um, and of course I don't want to get too much into the history of, you know, slave trade per se, but want to make it re relevant or related to the topic. And, and the point I want to get across here is that black women were sold into slavery many times over and over and over again, um, to different countries, um, whether that was, um, Asia, uh, whether that was, you know, the Dutch, um, it didn't matter. They were sold into slavery many, many times. And what happened as a result then, and um, is that, and of course, you know, there are invasions too. There are invasions in, you know, in um, Egypt. There's, you know, invasions in Ethiopia. There's invasions everywhere in Africa, you know, by other, you know, by imperialism, by imperialists. And so you had, not only were they selling the women um, in, in some of these um, invasions too, uh, we became, you know, um, casualties and commodities really. And so a lot of, um, you know, women of color, um, they were raped, right? And so then you have now not only black women, now you have brown women, brown children. So now we, there, there comes the term black and brown people. And so you have a lot of um, these things that were taking place. And so now you have brown women, right? Brown children. And so women, uh, black women over time, we've just been, we've been sold by our own, sold into slavery. Um, to col colonialists or to, you know, um, to other countries, you know, um, non-black persons. And, 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 and so we have not been protected. We've never been protected from the beginning of time. You know, when I read these things in literature, it just is so disappointing. It's so disappointing to see. And then on top of that, when these black women had, um, when they gave birth to their children, their children became, of course, what we call today biracial. Uh, but then these kids now become, you know, this lighter skin or lighter hue and they form a, a social class wherein and they and they grow up to feel like they're better than their black mothers. And so they in turn mistreat their black mothers. They in turn have more privilege um, equal to um, their 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 white um, rulers or colonialism or colonialists, I should say. And so over time, black women have lost um, their place from their own to others. You know, we've lost our sense of worth. We've lost the identity. We've never really had protection. And so that's, this is really important to, to stress. I'm not sure 
how many of us really pay attention to this information, right? So we've been sold into slavery many times over from the very beginning of time. We've never been protected. Now, the opposite of, of that is true. So that is not to say that white women were never oppressed. Yes, they were. And that is true. They were very oppressed. Um, and they were their mistresses to a lot of um, white rulers and white slave owners. So, you know, they were um, oppressed and um, impoverished, um, and, you know, in, in many instances. But what happened is, so what did they do to alleviate some of, um, some of their plight and some of, you know, their um, restraints, right? What did they do? Well, you know what? And that this is the thing that I want to come get across is that a lot of our history books don't talk about that. But, you know, we, we, we are as blacks or black women, we're so quick to point to, you know, um, you know, um, racism because racism obviously is about power and access. And that's what we're talking about essentially. Um, you know, a lot of, um, Here's 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 the what I want to get across so I don't get too much into um, the history on this. Just enough to relate to the topic tonight is that so what white women had to do then they also joined the, they joined the ranks. I'm not sure they had to, but they did. Um, the way how the literature is written is almost like they had to, but they joined with um, with their with their the white men who actually oppressed them, and they also joined in um, further oppressing um, black women. They were they were very instrumental. Um, fast forward now in the late 19th to 20th century, they were very instrumental in helping white men to segregate schools, to um, to segregate, you know, um, very much, very much schools, segregate schools. Um, they impacted, you know, impacted housing. Oh my goodness. <sighs> they impacted housing significantly. And so, and jobs, which that still happens. Some of what we're talking about still happens today. Um, based on policies that are written. And so you think about it, right? This is why it is said in every, almost every literature, a black woman is the most oppressed woman in the world. This is why. This is why. And, and, and history proves that. From the very beginning, we oppress our own. We had our, we had our own black kings and queens that were selling us. Then their invasions, right? So we're sold. And then fast forward into 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th century in this country when slave trade was, I mean, just big, right? And of course, we know what, what the slave center, the slave center, the, the primary place where that was um, in Sudan, which is, you know, they call it what's called Nubia, right? And so a lot of times, you know, we, I don't know, maybe we're confused about where this, where this came from, but this is where it comes from, right? So we've been sold many times over. And in some instances, I feel like we're still being sold. And then now we turn around and we do it to each other. You know, uh, what else I want to say here before I continue or segue rather. So Jim Crow came in and of course we know what Jim Crow is. Jim Crow is a pejorative term, a negative term for, for African-Americans. I don't even like the term African-Americans. In fact, you know, when I speak to black women who are from this country, a lot of black women don't like to be called African-American. That's a whole nother um, podcast. But anyway, so essentially so when Jim Crow came in, right, came into to effect, right, again, segregating schools and housing, um, white women were very, um, they were strong advocates um, for this kind of um, behavior. Um, they, they really helped to, I mean, they were a big part of the Ku Klux Klan too. Now, how many textbooks talk about that? How many? And this is not to demonize white women, obviously, but we want to look at the history when, you know, we have all, have all these Karens. Or, did I get that right? K-E-R-E-Ns. Oh, you don't belong in this country. And 
I mean, they really spit on a black woman every chance they get or a woman that's, you know, not their color. Um, so just imagine this is happening in social contexts. I mean, we see we often see videos of this. We often see, you know, in the supermarkets, you know, in, in, in people's communities. I mean, on the job, it's a little bit. I mean, we, we have this on, you know, in um, even professional settings um, wherein, you know, women of color are just um, bullied. Um, put down or just harassed, right? And again, you know, so we have, you know, white women who do this and we also have black women who do the same thing. So the point of this podcast is to take a look at the history of this. We need to understand the history of this, how this continues to show up today and what we can do about that. So I think it's important to understand, you know, again, I think, for example, there's some women that don't have understanding or have knowledge about, I mean, just stop and think. Why, why is it, you know, because oftentimes we're like, we're all women and we all need to support each other and we need to join the cause. But, and then when we find that, you know, women, you know, who are of color, you know, they, that look like us don't join our supporter cause, we often, and again, I mean, wh wh why would it, why would she not support my cause? Right? And, and again, this is, this is just one small, you know, lens on this. I mean, I'm sure there are other reasons why, but this is a, maybe not a small, this is a broader lens. And I'm sure there are other smaller lens, I should say, that we can use to approach this topic. I'm using the biggest one tonight. We're looking at history on this. So let, let me just reverse that because that's more accurate to say. But why is that woman joining my cause? Or why would this white female, she's female for crying out loud. Why is she not supporting my cause? Why is she not, right? So the idea tonight is to, I don't know, bring awareness, bring awareness around this topic, begin to, you know, so there's no need for us to, <laughs> you know, sometimes as, as women, and, and I'll say as a black woman, you, you often say, hmm, do I deserve to be in this spot? You know, sometimes you're made, we're made to feel like, um, you know, we, we have this, um, it, it, what they call now the imposter syndrome. Uh, do I deserve to be here? Sometimes, you know, we're made to feel like we don't fit in or, you know, uh, I'm the only person of color here. Why am I here? Or, um, you know, it, we just can't seem to find our place. Well, you know what? That's not new. That's not new. Um, our identity has been chipped at for, for so many years, decades, hundreds of years. And so oftentimes we still feel like that. It's, it's not, it's, it's just doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes from somewhere. And unfortunately, it, it continues. It, it perpetuates, right? All right, take another pause. So what are we going to talk about when we come back? We're going to share stories when I get back. I'm going to share my own stories. I'll try to redact some parts of it because it is pretty sensitive. But I'm going to share some of my, you know, some of my personal stories about what I've experienced from other women of color and also from, you know, from white women. But I'll also share my positive stories, too, about how I've been helped. And so we're going to pause here and we're going to play no, let's play something upbeat this is a tough topic tonight we're going to play the song called safe and this is by naomi rain when the darkness closes in on you don't be afraid don't be afraid let my love light the way to guide you through Keeping you safe, 
keeping you safe I'll be there when you feel alone don't shrink back you're not on your own don't you know my love is always near you are safe here When the shadows put you in the cold, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Let my words carry you, bring you home, keeping you safe, keeping you safe. I'll be there when you feel alone. Don't shrink back, no, you're not. Start to tell their lies. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'll be there when it's all too much. Don't shrink back. I love this song. When those voices start telling you lies that you're an imposter, you're not. You do belong where you are and you're worthy and you are loved. And I, you know what? I love that. You're safe here. You know what? As I was listening to um, Naomi sing that song, Don't Listen to Those Lies, I think now's a good time to do, we're going to start doing our affirmations on here. You know what? I think that's a great idea. Do you have affirmations? Do you have ways of affirming yourself? I have mine. And you know, in my work, most if not all the women that I work with or have worked with, they have affirmations. We, we really work on them. We work on, you know, changing the talk the self-talk that we have the self-talk that perhaps we've you know we've been given by so many other people and circumstances and environments like what we're talking about and some of the stuff can be generational and historical right and so now is a good time to do um, our affirmations so i'm going to do mine right and um so my affirmations um they they go like this number one keisha moran that's my maiden name keisha moran you are a beautiful person inside and out you're intelligent and you're smart 
you're strong and you're bold and you're meant to be here. That was kind of weak. Let's do it again. So Keisha Morant, Keisha Morant Henry, my full name. I'm not in trouble, right? Keisha Morant Henry, you are a precious person. You're beautiful inside and out. You're intelligent and you're smart. You're strong and you're bold and you're meant to be here. Keisha Morant, you are a precious person, beautiful inside and out. You're intelligent and you're smart. You're strong and you're bold and you're meant to be here. What do we say? Let's give an applause for that. That. I love it, love it, love it, love it. You know what? I do that pretty much every. I do it every morning. I do every when I when I first wake up, and I do it again around um, twelve fifty because my alarm. If you're ever in session with me here, my phone goes off. You know what time it is? It's my alarm. It's my my affirmation. Sometimes when I have it go off at home, my kids will say, "Mom, what's that? What's that? What's that? Turn it off. Turn it off." Oh, and my husband will say, "Yeah, that's her affirmations." <laughs> yeah, right. I, I I you know what? I don't teach what I don't practice. That's hip, that's hypocritical. So I think it's important that our self-talk matters because we have so many negative, you know, um, information, images, all kinds of stuff, interactions that we take in on a daily basis. And no wonder why the scripture says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because if you can renew your mind, renew it every day, um, then, you know, you will have a better self-talk. You'll have, you know, a better way of thinking about things, better cognition. And of course that yields, you know, better decisions rather and, and better actions. So it's important to, to do that. So I hope that you found that piece to be helpful and that you will come up with your own affirmations that can help to positively affirm yourself. Now we we're talking about before the break, we we're talking about some, you know, historical pieces on, you know, women oppressing women. So it comes from somewhere, you know, we learned that, I mean, you know, we learned these things, you know, we can also get spiritual on that. And we'll take into the spiritual lens tonight. That'll be, we'll be on here for like a whole nother hour. Can't do that. So we're just looking at, you know, history of human relatedness. If I had to categorize what we're talking about is human to human relatedness. So human to human relatedness was diminished. When you sell people into slavery because of greed, power, and wealth, because that's what it came down to. Let's just be clear. So the topic tonight talked about, you know, women oppressing women, looking at the context of political, economic, and um, and social context. Yeah, when you really look at these contexts, it all comes down to power, wealth, and greed. That's what it comes down to. So that's so that's why we are here and why we're, why we're still talking about this. And I imagine that we'll talk about this forever because it's something that we constantly have to work at. And that's why awareness around this topic is really important. Not only awareness, but also action. So... Tears, right? So black women, women and women of color, we're not the only ones crying, okay? But remember, tears <laughs> is generally is supposed to be healthy. You know, it's, it's cathartic. It's a way to release. Again, I had mentioned earlier, we talked about when I'm working, you know, I ask women, you know, I ask them, or, you know, I say, hey, what do those tears mean? Maybe, possibly. Why? Why do I say maybe or possibly? Because I don't know. I don't know. And I want to know. Why do I want to know? Because I want to connect with the person. I mean, come on. Right? So maybe you can try that. If someone's crying, you know, don't assume they're crying because you're sad. I mean, could be, right? But still ask, hey, how you doing? What? I see you're crying. Can I give you a hug? Or is it safe to hug? Or safe to ask you what's going on? What's going on? Can I help you? You know? It's nice to ask. And it's nice to be asked, too. So let's, let's flip things a little bit. So we talked about 
the history on this, right? Um, we, we look at, um, you know, where this all came from, how it started, and how it still continues. And I want to continue on that part. Sorry for the pun, but how this continues. So tears. It's interesting in, in, in today, today's time, right? You know, um, as I mentioned earlier, black women, we can't cry. We're not allowed to, you know, we're weak, you know, and in addition to being weak and, you know, irrational, we're looked upon as bullies if we cry, if we try to cry or talk about what we're, what we're experiencing. In fact, you know, um, in the American Medical Association, it talks about how there's, there's evidence that shows that, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, medical doctors um, do not treat women of color. We don't get proper care. I mean, you have celebrities talking about this, like Serena, Beyonce, when they gave birth to their children, um, they had they were they had high risk pregnancies, and you know some things in their care was missed. And they, this is you can look it up; it was talked about, you know. So once again, you know, women of color were treated differently, um, you know, in social in social arenas. I mean, now look at these two women. I mean, they're they're wealthy women; they're rich, right? I mean, they're like they're well known, and they still did not get proper care, prenatal care. That's and that's a big deal. As a matter of fact, infant mortality rate is very high in this country. And this is, we're not a third world country, we're a first world country. So why is infant mortality rate so high when we have like the best technology and supposedly the best healthcare? Well, of course, I think Denmark is number one. I think we're number eight or nine or 10, somewhere down the list in terms of medical care. But the point I'm making here is that we shouldn't have infant mortality rate so high among women of color or ethnic minority women. We should not, but we do. And that's because Women of color are still looked upon like we've been looked upon from back in Sudan, back in Nubia. We can, we're just expendable. We're, we're not worth much. You know what I mean? We're just not. <laughs> I, you know, it just hurts me to even say that, but this is the presentation. This is the narrative. This is the history on this. And so this is still happening. It's happening in, 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 you know, in social context. It's happening you know, in how we receive medical care. It's happening in our employment. You know, we, we, if we apply for positions, you know, um, we don't get those higher positions. So we're female and we're women of color. It just, it, this is why the stereotype that, you know, we're not regarded as anything. We're just meant to have, we're relegated then um, to lower positions or a lower view. We're just not, you know, highly looked upon. We're not beautiful. If you look in the media, when you, when they say, you know, when they put a picture up of a beautiful woman, it's, that woman is not black. She's often white or she's exotic looking and she has straight hair, literally, right? So even in the media, black women are portrayed as, we're just not good, we're not beautiful. <laughs> you know, we're just not good enough, right? So that's the social context in terms of how we're still oppressed. We're oppressed about how we should look or how we, you know, how we, um, are, we don't look like, you know? Um, in political context, well, you know, we just don't have any power then because we're relegated from the beginning of time. And so, as I mentioned earlier, how non-Black women, how they also have joined this cause. And again, they too, as they were oppressed, but they have joined this cause too and oftentimes have caused women of color then to be, you know, um, economically oppressed, you know, in terms of um, jobs, access to better positions. We're blocked many times in the workplace by non-Black women. We're going to get to the other side in a minute. And so we have no political bargain rights. We, we don't have any. 
you know, even though white women, they for a long time did not have it. But the moment they did get it, it's almost like they forgot that. And history, if we're not careful, will omit them from their involvement in the demise, if you will, um, of black women or women of color. And I think we need to really bring awareness to this in a loving and a kind way to say, you know what, this happened. And, you know, we, we don't need this to continue to happen. We need to look at it and call it out for what it is and why it has been that way. But then why does it need to continue? I think we need to look at that. So then that's the history. So I was just giving a summary then as to the, the, the beginning of this thing, you know, um, and the inception of this, if you will. So then what about, you know, women who oppress other women of color? Well, where did they learn that? <laughs> right? Think about it, right? So white women had to learn how to come out of their oppression. So they joined the patriarchy side and they did, they followed, they followed along. They, they went along with that. Well, here's the thing. Black women do the same thing because they now, they want to remember this all started because of what? Wealth, power, and greed. So black women, they also want wealth, power, and you get greedy when you get a little bit of that stuff, right? You want to grow. And of course, remember, you know, you want to be like your white counterparts. You want to feel like you're good enough. In fact, history shows that even from, from in Sudan, Nubia, North and Southern Egypt, it shows that when there was an invasion, when the imperialists came in, and of course, when the social class you know, came out of when they raped black women or when they sold them and they raped them, then this new social class was formed. It shows that those lighter hue people, they hated their black mothers and they thought they treated their black mothers and black people worse than their white colonialists and white rulers. That is history. So the lighter hue folks, they felt like they who were black and they felt like they were better than their black mothers that gave birth to them. They felt like they're better than their black people that they came out of. And they inflicted more pain, more harm, more damage, right? More pillaging than the white colonists themselves. So we've learned this early. We've learned this. Early. And guess what? This stuff becomes generational down the line. So that leads me now into stories about black women oppressing other black women. So we don't have, we no longer have to worry or, or guess, my God, what, why, why is this person oppressing me? You know, and here's the thing. I promise you, I guarantee you that they themselves perhaps not even aware as to why they're doing this. They just do it. Hmm? Well, I want to play a little clip for you. Um, her name is, I'll play this clip. This was on a, a major talk show. Her name is Julie Black and Jan Becker. They were having this roundtable talk. And they were talking about the Pope who said that he was not willing to respect that indigenous people, the treatment of indigenous people in Canada. He said he wasn't willing to say he was sorry. This was back in 2015. And um, so they were having this roundtable talk about many things about race and, you know, and, and really women, how women are affected. So that's why this is so, you know, appropriate or why this relates to the topic tonight. It's a YouTube, YouTube clip. And what I want you to listen for is um, how Julia Black, the black one, was talking to another, uh, one of um, the, the panelists, right? Jeanne, uh, Jeanne Baker, Becker. 
and 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 several times when Julie Black was talking, Jan Becker, the white woman, then um, she interrupted Julie Black many times. Now, before you get into this, I remember I prefaced earlier that you know oftentimes when a black woman speaks up for herself or you know tries to better herself or just try to find her place, that oftentimes you know uh, we're seen as you know either aggressive. Oh, you know, why are we crying? You know, we're we're just being overly dramatic. I talked about that, right? Okay. Now, in this clip, Julia Black and Jean Becker were talking about, you know, the Pope and his his position that he took. And so I want you to listen for how Jean Baker Becker, you know, talks talks over Julie Black and interrupts her and basically was bullying her, um, you know, live in, in this talk show. But but listen to how Julie Black um responded. So I want you to listen. Tell us about the first time you were called something derogatory and the circumstances around it. Am I allowed to say it? <laughs> it's up to you. If you're comfortable yeah. saying it, you say it. If you're not, yeah. you can. I mean, I that's not the clip. Hang on one second. Play. It's important for us to really look at what book is going to have Canada open their eyes to what is happening on today. And yes, we, we celebrate and we heal and we kumbaya and we light. Oh, but you all remember that, what's you know happening what I mean? with ourselves. I mean, I mean this that's is a the, good, yeah, we've that's got to change the world, but people are really, there are a lot of like screwed up people in There's the world. There's a lot you know? of colonial There's privilege There's a lot of people happening. that really This room right? excluded, of course. And this so, studio excluded. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to start that again, and I want you to hear Julie Black. She's a black woman, and then listen to Jeanne Becker just interrupted her and talked over her. It's important for us to That's really look at what book is going to have Canada open their eyes to what is happening on today. And yes, we, we celebrate and we heal and we kumbaya and we like oh, But you remember that, what's you know what happening I mean? with ourselves. I mean, I mean this That's is a the good, Yeah, we've got to change the world, but people are really, there are a lot of like screwed up people in there's the world. There's a lot you know? of colonial there's privilege. There's a lot of people happening. that really This need, room right? excluded, of course. And this so, studio excluded. Yeah. And, and there's there's a lot of people that have to work on themselves. I mean, when we there's see a lot people of people that are people sit in their cottages in their homes and don't have an experience like others and think that it's well you know let me swipe my visa card and make a donation but i don't live this experience what are we doing to change the current circumstances we just had a pope say he's not saying i'm sorry to indigenous canadians when he said that in 2015 it is happening right now i'm not saying it's it, got I, to change uh, yes we forgive i believe in jesus but why do are you attacking others, me shall do julie why no, are you no, no. attacking me no, no i totally get what you're saying and i i ooh, have ooh, ooh, i'm Hold on, oh, we're live right now. Why are you attacking me? I'm not oh, attacking The truth no, hurts. I didn't say anything to attack you, Jeannie Becker. I said nothing oh, about Jeannie Becker. No, no, I, I'm just saying you're- I've, Did I, I say anything about Jeannie Becker? I just feel that you're speaking to me um, like I, I don't believe that. I no, no. totally get what so you're saying. So let me saying. tell you what you just said. I feel like. So whatever you're feeling, take it to the altar because I'm not the one that's responsible for your feelings. Wow. <laughs> I just, I mean, like, wow. So here, here, this this woman, uh, Julie Black, and she is she's an activist. She's in Canada. She's Canadian, and she was speaking up about you know um, the indigenous persons in Canada that were mistreated, um, of course, by you know white colon uh, colonials and uh, colonials, and um, and she was just saying how the Pope said he he wasn't going to say sorry. He was not going to acknowledge that. Uh, we're not even speaking about women in particular, but of course we know women were included. Um, and this woman, Jeanne Becker, she's a white woman, and she, you know, she interrupted Julie Black several times, and um, and she became tearful. This white woman became tearful and saying she was being attacked. When really, what Julie Black was doing was just trying to shed light on um, the, the 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 gravity of the, the of the situation, the impacts of it, 
today still. And it's she, you know, J.M. Becker took it personal as if she was being attacked when really what Julie Black was just trying to do was just explain the gravity of the situation over time. And she took it personal. So that's 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 how this is one way how how, you know, black women are oppressed. So, you know, we when we speak up about, you know, um, issues of discrimination or issues of race, um, racism that affects us, we're, we're labeled as we're attacking um, we're bullying. Um, we don't understand, and and so Julie 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 Black was well within her her rights of of humanity. So human rights to say, hey hey, you know I I'm not attacking you. I'm just simply sharing with you the facts. And so she was sharing the facts, just like she was with other persons at the table. And those other persons who were they were all white. Um, they did not take the the position that Jan Becker did. And even the audience, you can hear the audience, they supported Julie Black because they recognized what G.N. Becker was in fact doing, right? And so these are some of the things that have happened and that still continues today. So what about my, my own stories, right? My, my own story. So even recently, I'll share with you, and again, I promise to redact this as much as possible, but even recently I went to a conference and um, I was sitting with a group of women um, and, you know, we were panelists. I was one of the panelists on, on, um, on this, uh, for this conference. And, and uh, what, so, you know, this one woman said, so I am so-and-so. And she says, so, and I guess by this time they had all introduced themselves. I was the last person there. So, or to show up really, or come to the table. And I was asked, so what's your name? And what, what do you, what do you do? What are you going to talk about? So I introduced myself, you know, I'm Keisha Henry. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, you know, so I'll be speaking, you know, somewhat about you know mental health and she, they were, and the other women were happy and and um the woman who actually asked me she was from a hispanic background and the other woman across from me she is i believe she's she's black i'm not sure if she's african-american or where she's from but she was black and then the woman who responded the way in which i'm about to share she's a white female and her response was well i'm certain that all of us have here have something to impart that's what she said. So the other one were really happy and excited about me being there and you know what I'll be speaking about and my position really. And, and so they were supportive of me and excited about me. And the white female said, oh, well, she, didn't, she did not even bother to say, well, well, wow, you know, that's nice. Or no, no social etiquette. It was not welcoming or warming. It was more like, hmm. You know, I mean, how would you take her response to me? Um, well, I'm sure we all here have something to impart and to provide. Um, I did not get a welcome. Hey, Keisha, nice to meet you. You know, great that you're going to be talking about that. Nothing like that, right? I, I, and so, you know, um, when I was in college, one of my professors said, you can always tell the size of a person by what they get upset about or what they become activated or reactive to. And I saw that. And I said to myself, so what, and in my mind, I'm saying to myself, no, I did not feel an imposter syndrome because I know I had every right to be there, okay? And my heart, I felt my heart palpitating, stress, right? Now, that's a form of microaggression, is it not? Well, you know, I felt my heart palpitating. And, you know, we, we, you know there's research that shows that persons of color, women of color, you know, how we oftentimes with microaggression, we take in so much of that, it becomes unhealthy that, our, our, our length of life is what they call it, the length of life, LOL, 
um, is decreased because we have these microaggressions. Now, I felt my heart palpitating and I'm like, so what am I going to do? So what I decided to do was to smile. I remember President Obama, right? Whether you like him or not. I remember when he was in the White House, he was attacked a lot of times, you know, whether he was given a speech or whatever, and he never responded verbally. What he did was just smile. He smiled because humor reduces stress. He smiled a lot of times, and I really liked that about him. You know, I don't like, there's certain things I did not like, but I liked his, his response when he, when he was being heckled or when he was being disrespected. And I did the same thing. I just smiled at her. And then the woman who was sitting across from me, she, I said, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And she said, you know, what? I'm going to go with you. And I just thought that was way cool. You know, that was dope. I was like, look at that. But I recognized that I was being bullied in that moment by a white female. You know, she was trying to oppress my speech. She was trying to oppress basically, you know, who I am and what I'm there about. She, it's almost like I, they should not be supporting me. They should not be uplifting me to do what I was there, what we're all there to do because it was a women's conference. I'm like, wow, of all places. And I'm being oppressed right there at the table by another woman. But in this instance, it happened to be a white woman. So yeah, these things happen. These things happen. How about some other stories? So I share with you a clip, right? And I shared with you um, a, a recent, I just, this just happened like two or three weeks ago. Like, yeah, so 21st century and this stuff is still happening. All right. So I'll tell you one last story. So I remember uh, you know, growing up in this county, when I say growing up, I mean, in my career in social work and of all places you find women oppressing. And this is a woman of color that I was oppressed by. And in social work, you find that women of color who have, you know, risen to the ranks of administrators or executive persons, and they're bullying you an underling, if you will, a subordinate just because they can. But is it just because they can, or is it because they're really unaware as to why they're doing this? But I remember um, growing up in this county and um, working and um, I worked in various positions and I won't say what it was just institution because I'm aware that this podcast will get out and persons will hear. But I'm going to share my story about it. And as an underling, um, I remember being promoted to a particular um, department and I was working for a woman of color. And I remember that um, just the orientation piece was great you know, um, you know, learning um, the nuances of the position because I, you know, come from one um, um, super, supervisor position to another. And so I was learning this new area. Of course, you know, you have to give room and time for that. So then one of the ways I experience oppression is when I try to, because um, I mean, you watch and, you know, everyone wants to have upward mobility in their careers and to you want to better yourself, right? I mean, who does not want to better themselves? And it, I mean, I just, I don't know of any such person, right? And so I watch to see how, you know, there are different seminars or different trainings that, you know, I could attend. And for every time I wanted to go to one, oh, I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to go. Well, why is that? Well, that's not for your level. Okay, no, you have to be at this level or pay grade to go. You, you just couldn't go. And and so, so then I start asking questions. And when I start asking questions around why I can't go, it's the more pushback that I received. It's the more I was penalized on, you know, on, you know, certain aspects of my work, certain aspects of my works were being, you know, what's the word, like you were being nitpicked about, or it's just not up to par. And it was before, it was before, it was before. But suddenly you start asking questions because you want to understand how you can become better it's almost like you're getting shoved further into the corner. I remember another instance where 
I applied for a position. I wanted to be promoted again. Once again, notice, right? This is employment. And I'm talking about, you know, how, because I want to grow. And remember, over time, we're, we're pushed in corners politically, socially, right? And economically. And I, I have faced that, right? And so here's another instance where I remember applying to, to go to another, a higher position. And, um, and, and there are, um, of course, there are a lot of persons that were applying. I mean, I know some of the people that applied for the promotion. And I remember the person charged was a white female. And, um, you know, and then when I, when I, when I, of course, and the person that they hired did not have, did not have the equivalent um, to my experience um, and um, did not have the, ex yeah, did, was the equivalent in, in experience or education. And when I asked um, why I did not get the position, I was told because I don't have any um, experience with planning, 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 just planning, just planning. I didn't have the experience. And I'm like, that's a technical aspect of a job. Like anybody can learn how to plan. Anyone can be sent to a training. Um, I can retool like everyone else. And right. And this is this was done by a white female. And the person who got the promotion was a white female. So I know what it's like to have been in environments where socially I was barred, you know, economically I'm barred because, you know, I don't have, and of course, politically, what bargaining power did I have? Who could I talk to? I had none. The ceiling was just boom, it was set, right? So these, these, these actions have impact over time. And so women with tears is a real thing. It's a, it's a real thing. Now I have to flip the script. So I have to talk about my positive sides because those are the negative aspects of, you know, being a person, a woman of color with tears. But I want to flip the script on that. So I'm going to flip the script now and then we're going to pause, take a, like our last one or two minutes break. Then we're going to talk about what I have done and what others can do. OK, so here's the good side. So the good side is that I mentioned before talking about my um, my mentors, um, Sharon Cohen. Do you have any mentors out there? A couple of days ago, it was um, Teachers Appreciation Day. I was listening to my meditation and, you know, it was sending out loving kindness um, to teachers in our lives, you know, whether that was elementary school or, you know, middle school, high school. And if you've read my book, Healing of the Heart, you know that my adolescent years were very, very rough time. Um, it just was because I was transitioning from one country to another and I just lost friends. Man, that's pretty hard. And I lost really good teachers. And um, when I came to this country, most of my teachers, um, were, they were white females. And, you know, I, I mean, I had struggles. I really, so I had a culture shock. I mean, I had all kinds of shocks going on, you know? And so, um, so they were talking about Teachers Appreciation Day. And I, so I, I mentioned that to say, you know, we do have good people in our lives. We do. And it's unfortunate that, you know, history continues to repeat itself um, and in, in, in these oppressive ways. And we just need to really, bring awareness, you know, bring this consciousness, have consciousness about, you know, how we treat other people, how women are really treating other women. It is pretty impactful. It really, really is. It's very hurtful. So I have good moments though. And um, one of the persons, so the two persons I mentioned, I remember I, I mentioned talking about Sharon Cohen. And I remember when I went to, um, to, to, to do my, my first placement. And there are a lot of other students that applied for the, for the placement and she selected me. And I asked her, I said, why did you select me? You could have chosen other, any other persons. And she says, you know what? I just really felt a strong connection. Listen to what she said. 
I felt a strong connection with what you, what you were already doing. And I just felt like this would have been a good place for you. She said she felt a strong connection. Now, she didn't say, well, I looked, obviously she looked at my resume. I'm sure she did. And I mean, you know, she didn't have access to my grades, but she had access to like, you know, my, my schoolwork, my papers and my process recordings and different things I've done before. Um, so yeah, I'm sure she looked at those things, those technical aspects of, um, of you know, my, my, my presentation of who, who I am and what I can do. But what she said was she felt a, a connection to me and she felt like this is where I belong and that she wanted to mentor me, right? This is what she said. And years later, when I asked her that question, she still says the same answer. So I know it's true. It's really true. And she always said to me, you know what, Keisha? I really have to talk about her. She said to me, I believe one day that you're going to have your own private practice. I'm looking at her like, lady, I need to graduate first. Please just let me get past that, <laughs> you know? And no, she says, no. She says, I believe because, you know, when I, when, I, when I had that placement already, if you read my book, you know, I was a teen mom. So, you know, belief in myself was very little. I, I promise you it was low, very, very low. And um, she didn't know that much about me. Later on, as I, you know, built rapport with her, she learned that about me. And she said, you know what? I believe that your story, your life story will be of good use to your future clients. And I believe that you're going to be of tremendous help to other women. This is what she said. And this was 19 years ago. Sharon Cohen. Yep. She is the um, uh, patient services manager at Leukemia Lymphoma Society. You should look her up. She's amazing. She's, this is what she said to me. And she's a white woman. And I can call her now. She's now in California. She always says, Keisha, remember, we're three hours behind. <laughs> I haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> right? Um, I got to wrap this podcast up, right? So, and Donna Donato, um, love her. And um, she's always encouraging me. I remember when I, when I didn't go back to law school, she said, you know what? That's okay. That experience is going to count for something. You know, she says, you're very methodical. You know, you're very anal, <laughs> you know, and um, you speak well and um, you're very articulate, you know, and um, you have a love for people. And, um, and, and, you know, she gave me also a chance when I, when I became, when that was my second placement and she encouraged me and she says, and this is a thing that she said to me one day when I was in sitting in a session with her, she says, you know what, you're going to make an amazing clinician therapist. She said, that, and I'm, and again, I'm thinking who, right? And so I have these women that I still, they're still in my corner. They're still in my corner. I still consult with them. And I, I, you know, if they're listening tonight, thanks, you know, thank you so much, both of you. I appreciate you for life, for life, for life. And so, you know, um, these women, they're well aware about the history that I spoke about tonight and they have made a difference in my life. And that's why I continue to make a difference in the lives of women and girls, regardless of they look like me or not. And so, yeah, I'm going to pause here, take a break, come back. Look at the impacts of what we're talking about tonight and what you can do. What we're we gonna play? We're gonna play. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, a good story. A good story. I like that. Naomi Rain. You see the worst of me. You see my ugly. But do you think I'm beautiful? Why do you love me? Why are you? 
I can't do you justice Writing this song I can't capture the beauty Of how good you love me Sometimes I wish the world could know All that we've been through You might think I'm brutally honest But I'd risk it all for truth And there's nothing more true Than me loving you our story might be crazy, but maybe, baby, that's just one point of view. Why can't we get to tell our story? And who are they to say that it shouldn't go this way? Baby, I believe it's a real good story. I love and this song. who are they to say that it shouldn't go this way? I hope you sing this with me. I love we it. We move so fast, looking at our past. Sometimes I question it. Can this love really last? But you seem so confident. We're gonna jam this out at the very end, but I want to wrap this up. So I'm gonna come back now. No. I love the song, Good Story, right? So from what we've talked about tonight, did you feel any of that? I love to always talk about feelings because feelings are important right they drive us they drive a lot of what we think and you know what we do because remember a portion of thought I, I always like to teach a portion of thought right it's like a dollar bill you know cut it in half a portion of thought equals emotions and so what we're talking about you know i'm not sure you know how you feel about this did it generate any kind of emotions in you tonight i hope it did i hope it stirred you because we need to understand our history so we don't continue to repeat that and or allow others to repeat it with us. We need to stop it. So what are some things that you can do? Because obviously, from what we talked about tonight, if I were to summarize those things, right, you know, a lot of times as women, you know, we're excluded, we're belittled, we're gossiped about, you know, and we're sabotaged. And before you know it, then we do this, these things to ourselves and to other women. We need to stop that. So and, and, and from these kind of behaviors, we have affective disorders, right? I mean, oh my gosh, anxiety, depression, right? People are self-harming. I mean, I remember I used to cry before I go to work. I promise you can ask my husband. I used to dread going to work sometimes. I'm like, Lord, do I have to go? I, I used to like, what is my future? I felt like, I remember after I got into third promotion, I'm like, Lord, did I make a mistake? Here I am in this job and I'm not even happy. I'm getting more money, but I'm not even happy. I'm just, I mean, did I make a mistake? Why am I being treated this way? And, you know, I had to draw back on my spiritual, you know, um, belief, my, my spiritual expression, you know, which gives me a larger space to find meaning in my situation um, in those times. Remember, I opened up this podcast with that, and I'm going to end with that because that's my strength. And remember, science shows that it's the most effective coping mechanism is drawing on your spirituality. And I invite you to, if you have any spiritual contamination or harm, in your life that to work that out find find um you know um uh, you know a, a reputable um non-judgmental um therapist someone that you can trust to talk with about this to work that in your life because when you can connect with your inner person that's where your power lies okay so what can you do right well number one speak up i talked about speaking up it was hard you know because the more i spoke up the more i got pushed but you can speak up why you can you can calmly, assertively, you know, let this other woman or woman know how their behavior is affecting you and what you'd like them to do differently. 
maybe sometimes you have to get bring support to do that. You know, maybe you need another person or another woman or someone else to help you to speak to that person that's really inflicting pain on you, that's either gossiping about you or belittling you or even sabotaging you. I mean, this stuff is real, you know? So speaking up is the first thing, you know? Um, in my work, I often do role plays with women. You know, how are you going to talk to this person? Let's role play this out, you know? And it's awkward. But it helps. It helps to give you the strength and it helps you to see yourself doing this speaking up for yourself. I really hope I'm helping someone tonight because I have had to do this, you know, a couple of times, to be honest. You know, not easy. Uh, maybe you're getting this in your family. Maybe you have a woman in your family that's bullying you. Maybe you have an aunt. Maybe you have a cousin. Let's be real. This stuff really happens. OK, it's not a joke. Right. Again, seek support, whatever that support may look like. And support comes in many forms, okay? Hopefully this podcast is one of them. If you're in a professional setting, though, and this stuff is happening, you might want to document the behavior. I, You know, people still laugh and say, man, you're the queen of writing stuff down. You have to, though, because well, in social work, if you didn't write it, it didn't happen. You got to document. Keep a record of any instances of oppression or harassment that includes dates and times, what was said and what was done. Why? Because if you need be, you can escalate the stuff to HR and other authorities. And you know what? I had to do that once in my career. I did. And it's a good thing that I, I mean, I, I journal all the time anyway. So it's, it's, it's a good idea. And keep that stuff in, you know, to yourself because you may really need that to get the support from HR or any other authorities to help you to, to get protection for yourself. And again, if this stuff is happening in the workplace, but you know, workplaces are pretty strict about harassment now. I mean, depending on the culture, but you still want to have a way of empowering yourself and protecting yourself. But if any behaviors persist or escalates, again, you want to get HR or your management involved. Why? Because the workplace really is responsible for providing a safe and respectful workplace for you. And again, you're going to have some people going to push back on this. I don't care. It doesn't matter because you're the one going to end up on medication. I can't tell you how many folks I've seen in the workplace that they're depressed. Um, they have to go on anxiety medication, blood pressure medication because they have a boss, a female boss that's oppressing them like no other. Like seriously. Yeah, it happens. And you know what, too? Don't forget about, you know, others. Educate others, too. Like, when you get help, if you know or see someone experiencing something, speak up to them. Ask them. Remember? When I was asking my cousin, you know, I was asking her questions. <laughs> Ask. Ask. How are you doing? I see you're crying. I see you're sitting by yourself today. You know, provide education. Bring awareness to them, too. Let them know that there's a way out of this and they can get help. You know, um, last but not least, focus on self-care. You know, sometimes we're in rough, I mean, my God, we're just really in hard environments, you know, and um, sometimes we have no one on the inside. So what do you do when you're outside there? You know, dealing with oppression can be emotionally draining, honestly. I mean, are you a person of color? Then you should know exactly what I'm talking about. Dealing with oppression on a day-to-day -day basis, oh my God, it, it, it's emotionally draining and stressful. So it's really essential that you take care of yourself and prioritize your self-care activities. You know, I'm big on exercising. That's a big deal. You probably see some of my, my weightlifting videos. Meditation. I often talk about meditation and prayer. I talk about that all the time because, again, I already gave you research on that. And spending time with your loved ones. You know, maybe your kids. And if they're an irritant, you know, limit your time. But, you know, good friends, you know, go bowling, go do something. And remember that, women, we have a responsibility to each other, honestly. Let's not repeat history. Let's continue something new or different let's continue to do good you know not continue this harmful history that we've had for so many years so with that 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. I went over by like five minutes. I thank you for listening. And um, if you have any questions, reach out to me on this um, you know, podcast. Send me a note or something. Or again, my email address is k.henry at nbhi-llc.net. And ooh, before I go, before I forget, um, we have our teen girls um, summer support group that's beginning on June 10th through July 29th. It's a big deal for us. It's our second year doing this. You can find our event on eventbrite.com, New Beginning Healing Institute. You can find our link there or go to one of our social media platforms, um, New Beginning Healing Institute on Facebook, um, uh, Instagram, or even TikTok. You can find our information there. Listen, thank you for being so gracious to me tonight. It was a hard topic for me, but I enjoyed every bit of it. Blessing, blessings, and I'll see you in two weeks. So that Let's rock out to good story. You see the worst of me. You see my ugly. But you think I'm beautiful. Why do you love me? Why are you so wonderful? I can't do you justice. Writing this song. I can't capture the beauty of how good you love me. Sometimes I wish the world could know all that we've been through. You might think I'm brutally honest, but I'd risk it all for truth. And there's nothing more true than me loving you. Our story might be crazy, but maybe, baby, that's just one point of view. Why can't we get to tell our story? so fast.